Hey, welcome to the Central Westland Church Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for downloading and thank you for listening. We hope that today you find God's Word to be encouraging, challenging, and inspiring your life today. We would love to connect with you through our Facebook page and Instagram page. All you got to do is look on Facebook or Instagram and search for Central Westland Church. Please know that we love you, we're praying for you, and we hope you enjoyed this week's message. I like, let me rephrase, I love a good competition. Um, I like any type of competition. I like it being me against you, and I like beating you. I don't care if it's a physical sport, basketball, football, whatever. Um, I don't care if it's a card game, if it's Uno or Phase 10. I like a good competition. More so than that, I like winning the competition. Anybody with me? Oh, I would kill y'all if y'all didn't care. I'm going to be honest with you. If we had a competition and y'all were like, whatever, I'm dominating you, okay? Um, the competitiveness of myself does not run deep with my wife. She don't care, right? You win, you win, you lose, you lose. I'm like, Kelly, no, like we win, like that's what we do. Now, the competitiveness in our family has left me, or hasn't left me, but comes from me into TJ. TJ go- loves a good win. TJ loves a good win. When TJ doesn't win, he's not the best loser in the world. Um, I have dominated him in Uno for years, like complete domination. And there are times when he goes to bed completely upset and distraught because I wore his tail out and he had about 12 cards in his hand when I won Uno. Um, He loves a good competition and he loves winning as well. Now, listen, let me say this. I'm not, I'm a good winner. I'm not a bad winner. When I win, I'm not a bragger. I don't brag about it. I may trash talk you during the competition, right? Like I may junk talk you, tell you that what I'm going to do and how I'm going to do it and then do it. But once it's over, like we're done, I'm not not a big bragger. It's never been my deal. Um, We use our competitions in our house for our game with TJ. Here's what I mean. There are times where he will take a 20-minute shower. Mom and Dad, you ever been there? Right. So we will turn it into a competition. I'll say, TJ, ain't no way you can get in and out of that shower in five minutes. I'll say, I can do it. Mama can do it. Not you. And bro, let me tell you, that will light a fire under him like nobody's business. The other day we told him, we gave him a little competition with shower time. He got in the shower, out of the shower, brushed his teeth, if you've noticed, he's letting his hair grow out mullet style, so he has to blow dry his hair at nighttime, completely foreign to my routine. Let me just say, there's no blow drying in my, my daily routine. Um, he blow dry his hair, brushed his teeth, used the bathroom, got a sip of water, got his bed ready, did it all in five minutes and 22 seconds. Now, I told Callie later, I said, that's wonderful. But there's no telling, like, how much actual cleaning of his body he did in the shower. Mom and dad, am I right or am I right? 
But I'm going to be honest with you, at the time, it didn't matter. He got in and out in five minutes, so I didn't care, right? He got him in the bed at a good time, so competition worked in our favor for that day. Um, I love a good competition. I hope you know today, as followers, as believers in the Lord, as uh, disciples of Jesus, as Christians, as little Christ, as people of the Lord, today, you and I, we have an enemy that we are in competition against, that we are in a battle against, that we are going head-to-head face-to-face, war-to-war, you and I today have a struggle, what Paul says in Ephesians 6, we are in a struggle against the enemy. Paul says this, says, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. I hope you know today that your competition, your battle, your struggle is not against another person. Lots of times we like to make it against another person. We like to make it against the Wesleyans, against the Methodists, or the Methodists against the Baptists, or the Baptists against the uh, Church of God, or the Republicans and the Democrats, or the whites versus the blacks, or the browns versus the whites, whatever. The Word says our battle, our struggle, our fight, our competition is not against each other. That's important. Why is that important? For a couple of reasons. One, because we're going to need each other in our real battle against the Lord. I'm going to need you. You're going to need me. We're going to need people down here at this church. We're going to need the people up here at this church. We're going to need the people around us in our corner, in our fight with us, in our battle against the evil one. Although our battle today may be against Satan, may be against the enemy, may be against the evil one, I kind of got some news for you, and I hope you agree. If you don't, let me explain. I don't believe today that our biggest problem in the world is sin. Our battle's against the enemy. Our battle's against Satan. But our biggest problem today, I don't believe, is sin. Here's what I mean. Here's what I mean. Because of the death, resurrection of Jesus Christ, You and I, we don't have a sin problem today. Our sin has been paid for. Amen? Our sin has been, can be, and will be forgiven. Amen? Sin has no hold on me. Jesus Christ, with his resurrection, defeated death, hell, and the grave. Satan has no power over you and I as believers of Jesus today. Sin's not our problem. Everybody follow? What is the problem, though, is what leads to sin. I hope you know today that Satan cannot make you sin today. He's not out here in your life moving your hands, moving your body, moving your feet, moving your mouth, moving your eyes, moving, taking you to places, saying things. That's not the way he works. He does not have that power over you. What he does have power over you is that of temptation. Right? The book of James tells us in James chapter 1 that sin doesn't start out as sin. Sin starts out as temptation. It starts out as an evil desire, uh, as a thought, James says. And when that thought is full grown, when you're uh, enticed and pulled away, it becomes sin. When that sin is full grown, James says, the sin will eventually lead to death. Sin's not our problem today. We have two problems. One we're going to talk about next week. The one we're going to talk about today is that of temptation. We're going to talk about what temptation is, how it looks, how it works, and what we can do to fight against it. I had a conversation with a buddy of mine about six months ago, 
and uh, we were talking about temptation. I said, what do you know? I asked my buddy, I said, what do you know about temptation? He said, I'm very familiar with it. I said, me too. Can we all agree today that temptation is a part of our life? Amen? It could be something small. It could be something big. It could be something uh, medium-sized. It could be something as far as uh, jealousy, being tempted of what? Being tempted uh, for jealousy for what someone else has. It could be being tempted for greed, spend too much money, sexual temptation, cheating on your taxes, overeating, uh, relationships, whatever it is. Temptation is all around us. It's all around you, and it's all around me today. Paul says in uh, Romans chapter 7, he says, there are times in my life where I don't do what I want to do, and I do what I don't want to do. That, my friends, is what temptation looks like. We know what's right and wrong because the Word tells us, right? We know what the Word says. We know what the Lord says. We know which way is right, which way is left, which is up, which is down, However, temptation is temptation because it makes us believe that, well, this is okay over here. Temptation is temptation because it's a part of us, it's a thought, it's a desire that we have gone astray. Temptation becomes temptation when the good things that God gives us, we turn them into bad. How often does that happen in your life? Where you have a blessing from the Lord that you use for the bad. You need an example? I got some. Marriage. Marriage is a blessing from the Lord. Right, husbands? Let's say it louder. Say it louder! Yes, it is! Wives are the best. The absolute best. Mine is. I don't want to speak for you. Mine's the best. Yours is the best, too. Marriage was ordained by God, for God, to be used for godly ways. But what we do, what the world does, what people do, is we're tempted, we're enticed, we're pulled away from what God created for good and use it for bad. Parenting, same thing. Relationships, friendships, same way. Created for good, we use for bad. What temptation is, simply put, is a godly desire, is a desire inside of you enticed and pulled away from the original usage of the way God created it to be. That's what temptation is today. So, we're going to look at the Lord's temptation, at Jesus' temptation in Matthew chapter 4 and see what we can learn. I got two things for you today. Two things for us to get out of this, and then we will be done, and we're all heading to Chili's for some baby back ribs. Amen? No Chili's. Pizza Inn? Anybody been to the Pizza Inn yet? How is it? I haven't been. Is it as good as CeCe's Pizza used to be? No. At Pizza Inn? Y'all don't like CC's for real? Thank you, Juan. There's still one in High Point. Me and you'll go sometime. I'm in. I love CC's pizza. Hands up for CC's. We're going. All of us. The rest of y'all, you can have your pizza in or whatever you want. All right, here we go. 
Here we go. Matthew chapter 4, starting in verse 1. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to a holy city, to the holy city, and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the Son of God, he said, throw yourself down, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you, and they will lift you up in their hands, so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Verse 7, Jesus answered him, it is also written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I will give to you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. Jesus said to him, Away from me, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Verse 11, the devil left him and the angels came and attended him. Um, there's two things I want us to point out here about this today. Number one is that if you're living with the Lord, temptation follows. If you're living with the Lord, temptation follows follows if you're living a godly life if you're living a christ-like life temptation follows now temptation does not come from god james tells us that he doesn't tempt people god's not here to pull you away from him what kind of sense would that even make god's here to draw you in he's not here to tempt you to go away temptation comes from the enemy comes from satan comes from the devil all temptation comes from him today if you are serious about living a christ-like life you will be tempted without looking at your bible who knows what happened right before this in matthew chapter three pop quiz this is went to the wilderness what happened right before oh what wilderness are you talking about tim okay i'm going to tell you right before matthew chapter 3 is the baptism of jesus with john the baptist where jesus come and told john he needs to baptize me john's like i don't you want me to baptize you you should be baptizing me and jesus said you've got to do this you've got to do this for me so john baptized jesus when jesus went under the water come back up the bible says that heaven opened up you saw the uh, spirit of god come down like a dove and you heard a voice of god the father in heaven saying this is my son in whom i am well pleased what a moment to be present for wouldn't that be like the coolest thing ever that was matthew chapter 3 that's the end of matthew chapter 3 and you notice how matthew chapter 4 starts out with the word then the point is this, you had this really cool, awesome, spiritual, spiritual high moment with heaven opening up and the voice of God coming down in Matthew 3. The word says right after that, then came the temptation of Jesus. How many of you know you can't have a crown without the cross? You can't have the good without the bad. Right here you see in two chapters, you see both of those together in the life of Jesus. Today, if you and I, if we're serious about uh, following the Lord, if we're serious about living a Christ-like life, the enemy's going to get you. The enemy's going to jump on you. 
The enemy's going to try to pull you back. The enemy's going to try his best to get you away. Why? Because you're a threat. Because of your relationship with the Father. Because of your love for God. Because of his love for you. The enemy doesn't like it. He is trying to pull you away. So don't be surprised when it comes. Don't be surprised when temptation jumps up out of nowhere. Don't be surprised when it jumps up hard and heavy and jumps on your back because the enemy is coming after you because you're a threat to him. He's here to what? Steal, kill, and destroy. And he will do that under any means necessary. Why? Simply because you love the Lord. Because he loves you. Because you want to follow his ways. That's when temptation comes. Two, play, two principles at play here. Number one. If you're not experiencing temptation. You may want to examine your heart. If you're not having times in your life where you're like. Gosh, I shouldn't do this. I know this is the enemy trying to get me to do this, but the Lord doesn't want me to. If those times aren't coming up in your life, one of two things is happening. One, the enemy doesn't see you as a threat, so he don't care what you do. Two, that temptation has become so common in your life that it's no longer temptation, it's become sin in your life. Does that make sense? Remember the progression of temptation? Starts with a thought, an evil desire, is enticed, is pulled away, is drawn away, turns into sin. When that sin is full-blown, turns into death, James 1 says. So if there is no temptation in your life, one of two things is happening. One, the enemy don't care about you because you're no threat to him. You're not stopping him from doing what he wants to do. Or two, that temptation has become so common, it's no longer temptation. It has become a part of your life. It's become a sin in your life. Second principle at play here. Ah, this is a tough one. I like preaching about it, though, because it kind of jumps on holy people. Don't think... That you can ever out holy temptation. Don't think you're ever too good not to fall into sin today. Right? I was having a conversation with a couple years ago, years ago, 10, 12 years ago. And we were talking just about everyday life. They had kids, we didn't. Talking about life and vacation, whatever. And we're talking about how hard it is sometimes to fully obey, to fully surrender, like we talked about a few weeks ago, living a controlled life versus a surrendered life, and how hard it is to really live with the Lord all day, every day, with, the, uh, with temptation all around us. And this, the, uh, one of the family members, it was the husband, told me, he said, it's tough. He said, but one week in my life, I lived the perfect life. I said, what? He said, I promise you. One, I was thinking right there, well, you just stopped that perfect life right, right there by thinking that you lived the perfect life. But I said, do tell, do tell. He said, I thought no bad thoughts, had no bad actions, had no bad words. 
I shouldn't have said this, but I said, does the word pride mean anything to you? I hope you know today that none of us, none of us, 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 are too holy to be tempted. None of us are too good, too Christ-like, too Christian to not fall into sin. None of us, you and I, me and you, none of us have the ability today to say, I would never do that. You see what that guy does over there? I would never do that. No, it's in you to do. It's in you to do. You may think you could never walk across the United States, but if you walked outside this morning and started putting one foot in front of the other, eventually you would end up on the left side. You may think you could never do it, but eventually you will get there. And the same is true with this principle here. If Jesus Christ can be tempted, you and I today, we should expect the same thing. If we're following him, if we're loving him, if we're obeying him, we're a threat to the enemy and he wants to stop us as fast as he can. And he will do that by any means necessary. He will try to get you. He wants to pull you, entice you, and get you away from Jesus. And he will do that no matter what. No matter how Christian you are, no matter how super spiritual you are, no matter how often you come to church, no matter how often you read the word or you spend time in prayer, the enemy's after you and don't believe the lie that you can't fall. Because we can. Because we have. Amen? The good news is that's not the end of the story. The good news is that once temptation becomes sin, we have forgiveness. Amen? We have redemption. We have the blood of Jesus. We have the cross. We have forgiveness through Jesus when it is needed. Second thing I want us to talk about this morning about this story um, is where is God during temptation? Where is the Father during temptation? Paul tells us this in 1 Corinthians. He says, No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. There's a couple things that God's doing during temptation. If you find yourself being tempted in a certain way this morning, I want to tell you what God is doing right now. One, I want to tell you what God is not doing. God is not sitting up in heaven, just kind of sitting there with his hands off, watching you to see what he, see what you do. He's not a spectator in your life. He is active in your life, and he is active in our temptation. He is active in the temptations in your life today. Here's what God's doing. We see, first of all, in 1 Corinthians uh, 10 there, we see that God limits temptation to us. God doesn't cause the temptation. God doesn't give the temptation, but he limits the temptation. He draws the line. He says, that's enough. That's far enough. We see that in the life of Job. We see God draw the line with the enemy of what he could do to Job. And God does that for you and I today. You ever have a but God moment in your life? 
We've talked about this before. Something would have happened, but God stepped in. Something could have happened, but God stepped in. We've had a couple in our in our or my life. I remember once Kelly was in college. Um, she was parked on the side of the road at UNCG, and she was going wherever. And um, she was getting ready to open the door, but then she realized she forgot her ID card or something. So she had her purse was on the floorboard on the passenger side. So she had to bend over there and get the the ID out. And while she was bending over getting the ID out. No lie, a car come flying up beside of her on her driver's side, sideswiped her car, and kept on riding down the middle of Greensboro. Now, if she did not have to get the ID out, she would have had the door open. She may have been stepped out there when that car sideswiped her and kept on going. But God. Amen? But God. That is an example of God putting limits in our lives. God's like, you can do this, you can tempt here, but that's it. Paul says he limits our temptation. He limits our temptations according to you and not me. Thankfully, God doesn't put your limits on me. Because my limits are probably a lot different than yours. Your temptations are different than mine. My temptations are different than yours. God doesn't limit us all the same. The word says that he limits from what you can bear. Not what I can bear, but what you can bear. God limits, and God limits it just for you. You ever have a season in your life where it was terrible? Maybe it was three-month period, maybe it was six-month period, maybe it was eight, maybe it's two, three years but you had a season of your life where things just were absolutely terrible. Maybe your family was falling apart, jobs was terrible, finances was terrible, health was bad. It was just a rough season in your life. But you look back on that time now, and that time is over. You came out of that time. I think of a, a year, year and a half, two years of COVID time that we all kind of went through together. Now that we've come out, maybe you come out of a season in your life and you can look back in that time and see where that season started and see where that season ended. And you can see the limit that God put on that. You can see the limit that God put in your life. That is a but God moment. That is an example of God putting limits in your life and putting limits on what you can bear. Why? Because you came out of it. Hopefully you come out better, not bitter. Hopefully you come out closer to the Lord, not further away. Hopefully you come out stronger, not weaker. Hopefully you come out wiser, not knowing. Hopefully you come out as a, a more Christ-like than you were before. But you came out of it because God put a limit on it. Because God knows what you can bear. God knows what you can handle. God knows what power he, you have of His and what you can resist. God is active in your life today the second thing we see about this story about here in first corinthians chapter 10 the first thing is we see that god limits the second thing we see that god makes a way out paul says this let's read it again no temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind and god is faithful he will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear but when you are tempted he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it 
I got three things for you this morning, three examples, three um, ways that God can make a way out for you during temptation. Real quickly, number one, it's in a relationship with him. A relationship with Jesus will cause you, will provide a way out of temptation. My married men that are here today, let me help you out. You boys listening? Everybody look at me. Listen. My single men that are here, if you want to be married, listen. Take notes. I'm going to help you out today. Wives, you're welcome. Thank me in advance. You're welcome. Fellas, before you make a commitment to go anywhere, to do anything, I don't care if it's a party, a graduation, a restaurant, it don't matter. Check with the wife. Ladies, amen. Thank you, Chelsea. Check with the wife. I'm married, happily married. I'll speak for Callie. She's happily married as well. You back here, Callie? She back here in that room? Trust me, she's amening like crazy back here. Hands up, praising, testifying. She is amening like crazy. If my buddies call me, say, hey, you want to go out to eat tonight? I say, man, I'd love to. Let me check with Callie first. Right? Right. Why? Because my relationship with her dictates where I go, dictates to how long we stay there. If we go somewhere together or separate, it don't matter. My relationship with her dictates where I go and how long I stay and what I do while I'm there. There are places that I know that Callie will not like me going without her. Olive Garden. <laughs> she gave me a thumbs up, y'all. Olive Garden. If I were to go to the Olive Garden without asking permission and without inviting her to come, I would need, I would be in divorce court. Like, Judge Wapner, does he not do... Anybody remember Judge Watner? Yeah. It's great. I love it so much. Um, my relationship with Callie dictates a lot of, most of, my decision making. Not because she rules over me, but because she loves me. And I love her. And I don't want to do something outside of what she wants. The same is true on the other end as well. She is the same way towards me. Our relationship with the Lord is no different. My relationship with Jesus, my love for him, his love for me dictates what I say, where I go, where I don't go, how I treat people, how I forgive people, how I talk to people, how I respond to temptation is directed and dictated through my relationship with Jesus. If my buddies call me up one day and say, hey, you want to go here? And I don't know I don't need to be going there. I'll say, no, can't do that. They'll say, why not? I said, the Lord wouldn't like it. He wouldn't like it. 
Somebody's being a jerk coming up 64 on the way here, riding my bumper. And my mind tells me to give him the thumbs up out the window, but not with the thumb. You follow? My relationship with the Lord says, no, don't do that. They may show up to church next week, and you recognize the car, and they recognize your car, which has happened, not to me, but to a friend. My relationship with Jesus dictates how I live my life. Second thing that, uh, second way God makes a way out of temptation is that of wisdom. Lots of times we know what's going to happen before we get there. We know who's going to be there. We know what temptation is going to be there. We know what's going to be done. We know what's going to be talked about. We know where we're going. We're all adults. We all have common sense. And hopefully we all have some wisdom from the Lord. To know we should go or we shouldn't go before we go. We should say or we shouldn't say before we actually say. We should do or we shouldn't do before we actually do. Amen? Now, sometimes we find ourselves in places where things happen unexpectedly. No doubt. That's where the relationship comes in. Number three. Number three. Second way, third way that the Lord makes a way out is people is people. You can help me defeat temptation, and you may not even know it. I can help you defeat temptation with encouragement, with love, with accountability, with a friendship, with a conversation, with coming and picking me up if I need you to come pick me up. People in our lives have the ability to either push us away from the Lord or pull us closer to the Lord. We've got to make sure we have the right people in the right places in our lives today. One quick story and we'll be done. Back in the spring of 2000, the year 2000, I found myself at a high school soccer game. Me and some buddies had a buddy named TJ that was there. TJ was my age, he was 18, but he was in the ninth grade. He got caught up in some stuff and got a couple years behind. He got caught up in a lot of stuff, to be honest with you. <laughs> he got caught up in a lot. Uh, TJ had a reputation in my high school for being a drug user, for being a drinker, for having different types of parties at his house. Um, he had a reputation, but I liked him. I always got along well with him. He was nice to me. I was nice to him. He was a nice guy to me. One night after a soccer game, my, uh, my buddy, TJ, he uh, said, hey, man, about four or five, six people coming down to the house. We're going to have a bonfire. Come hang out. I said, oh, bro, I'd love to. Love to. I'll be there. So I called my mama. I said, hey, mama, I'm going down to TJ's house. 20 minutes at the most. I'll be back home. She said, you're going Where? I said, TJ's house. She said, that TJ that I know? I said, yeah. She said, you ain't going. I said, why not? She said, I know him. She said, you ain't going. 
I said, Mama, I ain't going to do nothing. I know what you're thinking. You, I, I know, I know, I know, I know, I get it. I'm not going to do anything. I'm going down to hang out 10, 20 minutes. I'll be back home. She said, no. She said, you come home now. I said, Mama, it's no big deal. Several people are going. I just want to ride down and hang out. She, I'll never forget these words. She said, you're driving a car with my name on the title. You bring that car home right now. Now, the, where the soccer field was from where mom and daddy's house is, is about three minutes, two minutes at the most. It's really from there to there. She said, you got five minutes to be in the driveway. So you know what I did? 18-year-old Michael? 18-year-old Michael drove around town for seven minutes and then drove home. <laughs> Take that, mama. <laughs> So I went home, I was mad, mama was mad, mama went mad, mama just like proved her point, she's like, I'm the boss. I put the keys down, I said, mama, why couldn't I go? I know what you're thinking, I know what you're thinking is going to be going on there, and that may very well have been going on there, I don't know, I didn't get to go. I said, but why couldn't I go? She said, I don't want you there, I don't want you to be around it. You'll be around it sometime, but it's not going to be tonight. That was a woman that had all three of these principles at play. Her relationship with me stopped me from going. Her wisdom of what was going to be going on stopped me from going. And then ultimately, she stopped me from going. And so whatever happened that night at TJ's house, I have no idea. Chances are mama was right. Chances are I would probably go there, have a good time, and then go back home not being affected by what was happening. But is there a chance that there was temptation there? Yeah. But God made a way out. God is active in our temptation. God is not sitting up in heaven looking down at you, waiting for you to mess up and get in trouble. God is actively working in your life. Your relationship with him, a relationship with the Father, will dictate, will help you to flee from temptation. It doesn't stop it. It actually causes it to come more, but it will help you in the middle of it. Amen? Let's stand together.